Listen up, bowlers. If you're headed to the USBC Open in Baton Rouge, make sure you head over to the first annual Jet Mulligan Classic, hosted by All-Star Lanes. Take a listen to this unique tournament format. Bowl four games and drop your lowest game. For more information, visit www.jetbowling.com or call 225-924-0124. The tournament runs daily starting at 9 a.m. A bowler using jet equipment in this tournament will receive an additional 20% payout bonus on any place they cash in. Attention bowlers, would you like to help your stability in your approach and at the foul line? With Stability Strikes Bowling Performance Sock, you can enhance your stability and take the edge off any foot, knee, or back pain you may have while bowling. The extra mohair cushioning in the heel and toe gives you the comfort and support to compete at your maximum potential. So go to StabilityStrikes.com today. Stability in your game is just a pair away. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us today on the program is Eric Pearson. Eric is a head USBC lane man. Eric, Tim Berg, and Joe Serrar here. Thanks for joining us today. How are you guys doing? Good morning, Eric. Good. Thank you. Well, Eric, let's begin talking about the USBC Open. We have about six weeks left of the men's tournament going on down in Baton Rouge. How have you been as far as the scores? Have they been what you've expected, or have they they've been a little bit lower than what you've expected so far? Um, yeah, that's kind of a that, that's kind of a, a, a tricky lead to lead in there for me. I think uh, hard hard to use the word expected. Um, uh, I, I would say overall, you know, we were shooting for a slightly lower scoring pace. It was okay if we made them a little harder this year. Um, in, in fact, during our setup process, we even thought maybe we had them a little on the too difficult side, and we tried to ease them up a little bit. Um, you know, but we were giving the okay that if it seemed like we missed maybe a, a little bit on the hard side, that was going to be okay this year. And I think uh, judging from the last two or three years, they're definitely on on the tougher side. So, um, you know, expectation wise, I don't really know about expectations. You never know what's going to happen. Um, there are plenty of good scores, um, but definitely not not the scoring pace that maybe the bowlers have been used to the last two or three years. So definitely definitely different, um, but not very many complaints. A lot of positive things. A lot of people feel it, it's a good it's a good scoring pace if you throw the ball well. Uh, you throw a good score and uh, a solid 1,900 or 2,000 all events this year is going to be a really good check. Whereas in the last couple of years, uh, those scores maybe didn't produce the kind of prize money the bowlers expected. So uh, maybe a little on the hard side, but there's some positive in it too. Okay, Eric, I have a question for you, uh, which came to me via email. Uh, through one of the bowling sites that I visit now and then on, on the internet. Uh, it's called bowlingchat.net. Uh, this one's from a, a gentleman who lives in Australia, uh, Kelly Tehuna. And his question goes like this. Uh, couple, uh, it'll be a two-part question. What are the major challenges that come with running an organization uh, tournament such as the USBC Open, as well as the Women's Open? 
And secondly, what are some of the main factors you consider when designing a lane condition? Is it all topographical or surface friction based? Or are there other things that you look for before designing a pattern? Um, I'll do the, probably the, the, the lane design pattern part of it first, I think, uh, as time is going on here, we're going to start to learn more um, about the topography. Uh, I think we talked a little bit about it last year, that maybe we don't all have the tools in place, or didn't up until this point, to look into all those things. And I think that is going to start to be something that comes more to the forefront. Uh, everybody always pictures lane surface and... Uh, you know, lane surface friction uh, determining how you oil the lane. Uh, whereas I think as time goes on here, we're going to learn a lot more that topography does play a very heavy role in it. Um, we were not at the, uh, we did not have access to seeing any type of topography data uh, for the Open Championships this year. Um, I believe they did them. I believe they checked the lanes. Um, but they're still kind of studying that and, uh, I know Kendall's got a lot of work involved in it, but now USBC is starting to kind of touch on it. Um, so that'll be something that comes out probably more in the future. But, um, you know, with the lane install um, at the tournament, we, we hopefully we get them as flat as we can. Brunswick did our lanes this year again, and uh, we shoot for about 20,000 as far as how level the lanes are. But I think, yeah, the topography is going to come in and play a much higher role, I think, as we move along and we learn a little bit more than just the surface friction. Uh, I think, yeah, not only do we use all those things, not only do we use the ball reaction that we're seeing when we have our our uh, testing process, uh, but we're also looking at past years. You know, do we want scores a little higher, a little lower, try to stay even? Um, so we kind of bring all that into play also. And I, like I said earlier, I think we were, we were looking for a slightly more difficult year this year than maybe we've had the last two or three years. Um, the, the challenge of that, uh, I would say for the lane guy, it's just a matter of following routines. I think a lot of people question over the course of an event that long, you know, are the lanes really the same? Do the lane machines stay the same? And, and we do the best we can. We, uh, we use all the Kegel stuff. You know, we have a contract with them. They're our provider. And uh, I would say we do a very good job. Our, our lane maintenance crew does a fantastic job of, of repeating uh, their procedures day in and day out and the, the check process that we go through to guarantee we're doing the same thing every time we run the machines. Uh, we have a lot of faith in those guys, and they, they do a great job. And it is a routine. You pretty much go out and you follow the same procedures and the same steps every single time they run the machine. Um, and and that'll, that'll double next year because we're going to have to oil for every shift. So, yeah, um, Speaking I, I, of that, uh, how, how excited are you for the fresh patterns to be available for each event, well, other than singles? And do you think there's going to be some uh, new problems that could arise from oiling fresh? Yeah, we we are. We've actually we've had a couple discussions. We've gotten a few a few people involved, and we're starting to think that process through for next year. Obviously, the decision was made fresh oil. That's a done deal. Um, you know, we're moving to three doubles and single squads instead of five, uh, as we put six guys on a pair of lanes uh, for doubles and singles. Uh, and then I believe the uh, 
The second part of that is I, I believe we're not flipping over for singles. I think we're staying on the same pair. I can't didn't say that for sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what we're doing. Um, so there's some different discussions knowing that, um, you know, fresh oil for every squad and, you know, six on a pair and not flipping for singles. What are some of the other issues that come up uh, based on that change? I mean, it's, 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 you know, a decision that was made and we're going to do it. But then along with that does come some other challenges. Um, and the main things we've talked about is, you know, knowing that it's fresh oil, we don't need as much oil on the lane, obviously, because we're going to bowl 18 games on them and then re-oil for the next event. Uh, team event is 15 games. Um, but other challenges come up if there's a lot of transition in the pattern. If we don't put a lot of oil on the lane, how much does the right side change as opposed to, say, the left side? Uh, if we use a lot of volume, how how much surface do guys use? Do they create the gray wall of China within a game and a half of their doubles event where single scores are going to be outrageous? Um, a, lot, a lot of different things. There's potential uh, based on the decision we make on what that fresh pattern is, what's going to happen to it. Um, so it, it's all in the works right now, just a lot of discussions at this point. Um, and uh, not, not, nothing finalized as of right now, but definitely the fresh soil scenario is going to create some new challenges for us. Again, joining us on the USB, uh, again joining us on the Above180.com podcast is Eric Pearson. Uh, Eric's a head lane man for the USBC. Eric, uh, want to talk to you? You talk about next year and the challenges you guys are going to face. One of the things that, uh, as Turbo 2 and One Grips team, Jeff Riggle's guys just got back, that they said they felt this year made the lanes especially challenging was getting the lanes to their liking, breaking them down properly. They thought it took longer than it has in years past. Earlier, you alluded to this year playing a little bit more challenging. Is that one of the uh, things that you guys, when you set up the tournament, thought the lanes would take a little bit longer for someone to break them down and, and create that nice pattern and, and nice little bit of maybe swing area to the right or hold area to the left? Um, no, not necessarily. I think actually I was a little surprised at, uh, at that. Um, I think that just stems from the fact that we went with a little bit shorter applied oil. We didn't have as much, you know, going in the forward application as well as the overall length of the pattern was a couple feet shorter. Um, as well as the fact that we, in the reverse, we dropped the brush a little farther down the lane, which creates just a little more hang on the corners, as we like to say. And I just think, I think what he means is, they just they didn't open up. It's not that they didn't break down or change. It's just that they didn't, that flatter ratio stayed flatter. I mean, when the lanes transition and you made a little move left, um, it didn't necessarily get easier right away. I think that's what he's alluding to. Um, and that, you know, it, it was very tricky on on how to keep your angles to keep hitting the pocket until maybe maybe a second or third transition. Um but yeah, I don't know. I haven't spoke with him, so I don't know exactly what he meant by that. But well, and, and Eric, uh, one of the things that I'm looking through the list here, the top 30 teams, and it looks like, and this is usually the way things work out, anyways. But it looks like this year's first game scores are, are really the key. Where where the team leading it, Nicholas Jays, shot an 11:15 their first game, and you look at some of the other teams in the top five and top 
top 10 even and it's it's barely breaking a thousand there's a you know 970 1030 960 it seems like that first game if you can shoot something say a 1080 it really does set yourself up but people aren't able to do that yeah i think probably because on, on the fresh condition um it's just, it's just so hard to kind of control control the ball and get to the pocket consistently. And then when you throw five people out there with different varying styles and releases, I can see where it's tough to shoot that solid game. Number one, the guy who's probably lined up the best isn't isn't probably shooting 260. He might be grinding for 220 or 230. And then you have the guys who aren't lined up. There's a good chance they're not only giving that money back, you know, with a 180 game, but they might be shooting 160, 150. Um, I think that's why it's that's why it's harder to put up a decent score. It's just uh, uh, I had talked to Jeff a little bit through some emails, and he asked me, you know, initially why they seem so hard, and, and I thought because it's it's hard enough to get to the pocket, so it's not easy to throw strikes, so it's not easy to double or turkey. But man, you make that little mistake and you cut it short or you tug it, and it's not just a four pin or a a four seven or a six ten. It, it's a split. And it's it's real easy to give back pins, and it's really hard to gain them. So, um, especially on the fresh, I think it's very hard to get four or five people lined up that can shoot a solid game. I mean, 1080 is a big game on that fresh condition. I think that's that's probably the the biggest thing you see. So the fact that the the young team went out and shot three pretty consistent games is uh, is pretty amazing. Okay, Eric, well, I want to get you the hold of the line. We're going to have to take a break here. But coming up on the other side, I want to find out your thoughts. The lanes, uh, left-handed versus right-handed, some of the scores. Matt McNeil, again, phenomenal performance on the left side. Uh, but want to get your thoughts on the left versus right uh, comparisons. Uh, that's coming up more with Tim Berg, Joe Serrar, and Eric Pearson on the Above180.com podcast. Looking to shoe up against the best in our sport? The Proprietors' Cup is a true megabuck tournament. It takes place in Dayton, Ohio, July 12th through the 15th. If you think you have what it takes to compete against the best in the industry, then listen to this. The Ace Mitchell All-Star Team Challenge is a place where your five-man team can prove it and win $10,000. Here's how it works. Go to www.proprietorscup.com to fill out an entry blank. The singles event is slated for July 14th, and due to high demand, a women's and senior megabucks tournament has been added. Check out their Facebook page and click like. Again, the website, proprietorscup.com, for all the details. This is Lee from bowlerx.com. If you're looking for the best prices and service after the sale on the Internet for bowling balls, shoes, bags, and accessories, come check out bowlerx.com. We carry products from all the major manufacturers. All in-stock orders ship out to you the same day. And best of all, we ship your items fully insured for free. That's right. We don't charge for shipping on any item we sell. Look for BowlerX.com at the 2012 USBC Open Championships in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. In conjunction with the event, we will be awarding one lucky winner with a $500 gift certificate, good for anything we carry. Simply go to www.BowlerX.com between February 10th and June 30th, 2012 to register. We'd also like to congratulate John Tassano, of Seabeck, Washington, who was the winner of our $750 Brunswick Arsenal giveaway. John walked away with four high-performance balls from Brunswick and a KR Strike Force four-ball roller bag. BowlerX.com is the online bowling superstore and a proud sponsor of Above180.com. 
Looking for some added competition? Having a hard time finding a tournament in your area? Tired of all the added expenses in traveling to a tournament? VirtualTournaments.com was designed to allow bowlers to use their league scores towards a national tournament. VirtualTournaments.com has multiple divisions available, along with brackets and high-game side pots. Visit VirtualTournaments.com today for information. VirtualTournaments.com. Real bowlers, real scores, real money. We're back. Tim Bird, Joe Serrar, Eric Pearson. Eric, Matt McNeil had another fantastic tournament. Want to get your thoughts on overall, though, the lefties versus the righties. Has that played out the way you guys anticipated? Or, or I guess if that's a fair question. And then also, how have the lefties been scoring? Sure. Overall, um, not too bad, and especially early on when when we first saw some of the you know tournaments started up, there were a lot of low scores. You didn't see many people hitting them very well. Um, you know, I kind of glanced at it. You know, once we're done doing the lanes and the in the tournament starts, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Um, but there were some some fairly decent lefties kind of filtered in the top of the standings early on. Well, Mike Lickstein had a decent set early, like the first week, and then. Uh, Steve Hardy from out east had a pretty good uh, all events. You know, so early on I thought, you know, it looked like the guys who are throwing the ball well and our quality players are going to shoot decent 1900s and 2000s, and, you know, those that don't go and line up and make good shots are, are probably going to have rough years. Um, so I thought early on it looked, looked pretty good, and then obviously Matt had another uh, another big year. Um, I was there shortly after Matt. I think we both two or three nights later. And um, you know, there were some guys making comments that you know, even to shoot 790 on the fresh condition, you know, how amazing is that? But then to come back the next day and shoot, I mean, 840, it's just just remarkable. I think a lot of people who who really step back and take a look at it forget that left-handed, right-handed. I mean, that's just an amazing score and. I don't care if there were lefties ahead of them breaking them open or whatever. You know, I'm left-handed and I didn't bowl very well, but, you know, when I threw the ball decent and saw a good reaction, I could see where you can throw, you know, some, a few strikes. I think I had a couple five biggers during the tournament, but, you know, they're just monster scores. It's almost like Matt's just in this weird zone that when he gets to the tournament, he's just so comfortable. Uh, he has a game plan, and he and he plays it, and he finds the right ball reaction, and 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 obviously throws quality shots. I don't care what side you're on; you don't shoot those kind of numbers without throwing the ball phenomenally well. So, you know, my hats off to him. He's uh, he's just on an incredible little streak here. Well, um, Eric, I have a follow question about Matt McNeil. You know, watching him throw the ball, and then watching another quality left-hander named Brett Wolf throw the ball. Do you think it was possibly Matt's style that gave him the advantage this year compared to years past? Because, you know, Brett Wolf has scored great the last few years as well. I believe he's the average leader. And, uh, you know, he circles the ball a little bit more through the fronts, a little more hand action. Matt, a little more roll to the ball end over end, a little straighter through the front part of the lane. Uh, Again, two quality players, but one bowler style more old school, more direct down and in. Do you think that played a part in having an advantage this year compared to years past? Uh, I would, yeah, I would say you're you're right on there. I think in the years past, it seemed like if you were going to have a little bit of area, it was more of a, a little more of a tug area. So still going fairly direct up the lane helped you, 
because uh, if you got your feet and eyes in the right spot, you probably had a little bit of hold the last two years at the stadium. Whereas, you know, guys that kind of gave the ball away a little bit, obviously when you have more oil in the middle, the ball tends to push to your break point even when you tug it. Does that make sense how you you don't have to get it online to your break point as easy because the oil in the middle helps the ball kind of push backwards when you do tug it. But this year you don't have that. Uh, it seemed like any kind of tug, no matter where you play on the lane, if you got the ball short or in or you turned it early, it's going high if not crossing over. Um, so, yeah, I would agree with you that maybe a little bit straighter, especially outside of, you know, six board. The farther out you move, obviously, the more direct you have to be. Um, but the other thing we noticed with Matt is he also had the ability, he's got enough on the ball and he straps it just enough where even when he leaks the ball a little bit to the left, it's still recovered. And and that might have just been because it was 39 feet and the pattern was shorter. So even the direct line he had, when he did lose the ball a little bit to the left, he still got it around the corner and got it back to the pocket. But if that's your A games, throwing it from right to left, probably not an advantage this year. Right. And, you know, we also saw, you know, our version of Matt McNeil on the right side uh, from the Milwaukee area, uh, Henry Teets, shoot his 800 in singles, and I believe he's still leading and and Henry, long known in our area as the best straight player Milwaukee has to offer, just a, a shot maker, enough revs, but not too many, not much side turn. And again, he played left of third arrow in singles, and Henry normally doesn't venture left of 13th board too often. So, you know, I, I think bowlers have to realize there's going to be events not just the open tournament, but events that favor one style over another, sometimes righty, sometimes lefty, sometimes power player. But but there's still, a lot of bowlers are still too hesitant to give credit to those who did figure it out and score just because they didn't. You know, they, they think, oh, they had something different than I had. And they may not have. I mean, it, it's it's easy enough sometimes to bowl in a tournament. One guy shoots 730 and you shoot 560 on the same pair. But, you know, it's hard to give credit where credit is due. Um, you know, we talk about the straightness of Matt's game, yet I'm looking all event score this year, third place, Derek Olf, um, who's soon going to move to Madison, Wisconsin, I heard on a different note. Eric is one of the best players in the nation to open up a lane. Yeah. And he, he's not he had 779 straight. in team, Eric. Right. Yes. Uh, you know, Shannon O'Keefe, I would say right in between the two, had like 740 or 750, I believe, in team event with a 300 game. You know, but, but maybe there, you know, maybe they just ground out the first game or had a decent first game, and then when the angles did open up, maybe it did kind of fall into their style a little bit better for games two and three. But that's still, I mean, that's 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 a big score. I don't care what, what year you bowl for team events. Um but kind of touching on what you're saying, one thing I like to do is just scroll through the names. I'll tell you what, you look through the singles prize list, or you look through the the all events rankings, and you know, normally we I think bowl.com does the top 150 names. I don't care what section of 20 names you pull up. I there's 8 to 10 players that I know who they are in every section, whether it's the top 10 or top 20. You can look for places 51 to 80 or 110th to 130th, I guarantee you there are some very, very popular names in those lists, which tells me 
it's a year where the, the real quality bowler is really shining through. The people who throw the ball well, read lanes, make good shots, uh, are definitely benefiting from maybe the little bit tougher pattern. You're finding out who the real solid players are. All their names are up there. Uh, just you know, scroll through and take a look. It's amazing this year. I mean, there's so many quality names in the in the at the top of the prize list. You're right, Eric, and and quite a bit contrasting styles from player to player as well. Um, I do have one question. Uh, if you have time for another question from. Sure. A junior bowler, her name is Ashley Dunn. Now let me get the exact question here for you. Uh, she's a, a junior bowler. She's uh, done well in the junior gold tournaments. In fact, I believe she was a national champion at one point, uh, 14 years of age. Okay, she won the 2010 and 2011 teen masters, 14-year age girl group national champion. Uh, she sent me a number of questions for you, but but one of the first questions she sent, I think you'll be able to answer. And here's how it goes. Given your expertise, Mr. Pearson, in creating lane conditions, what advice can you give young competitive bowlers like me to help shorten the learning curve as relates to matching up to a condition as quickly as possible, recognizing transition and the best way to adjust to it, ball moves or changes with feet or hand position. I realize this is a large subject, but one of the most difficult for a young bowler to learn. In other words, how can you kind of give that in a, in a nutshell? How do I read differences in, in lane patterns, transitions, uh, when to make ball changes? Uh, can you answer that question, or is that a, a question for a, another show, a 30-minute answer? Yeah, exactly. There, there, there's a lot to that. Obviously, the transition part, because you know, depending on what you start with, you know, they're, they're all going to transition differently. Um, I'm not sure how many people out there are, are a believer in the old rule of 31, but I think if you're walking into a strange environment and you have access to a lane pattern uh, graph, I think the first thing you have to look at is the length. And more often than not, the, the length of the pattern with the 31 rule does give you a fairly good idea of where your break point is supposed to be, um, I always look at that first. Um, and then from there, you, you kind of look to see, it does the shape of that pattern kind of help match up to the length of that pattern to where getting the ball to that break point is fairly easy. Um, you know, so if it's a longer pattern, it should have very narrow structure. Who cares how many two-to-twos are in the pattern? Who cares how much oil is on the outside? On a longer pattern, your break point's closer to the head pin anyway. So, you know, first look at the length to dictate a break point and then kind of look at the shape of the pattern. Where is the majority of the structure? And then how do you play that structure? Um, lots of people, maybe guys that throw the ball fairly straighter, like to play on the edge of the wall or the edge of the structure. Um, I'm the kind of guy, I can't do that. I have to play, you know, two to three boards inside of where that structure begins. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes I see in college bowling is teams look for where the narrowest load of oil is down the lane. If there's oil applied, say, 30 feet, and it's a 13 to 13, for some reason they all think their ball needs to come off the oil pattern in that area because that's where the most hold is. Um, so that, that, that's not good, um, but I see that happen a lot. So, now, Do you look, look at oil volume as well? Um. 
you, you can, but I mean, the volume is so spread out. Um, the other thing you can look at is the speed of the machine. You know, if it's a bunch of 10s and 14 speeds, you know, the majority of that oil is in the front of the lane. Um, but, you know, volume is kind of, kind of, I think, more volume, duller ball, and that's not always the case. Uh, it's it's more of how it's tapered. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I can't really, to get into detail and explain that whole question would be um, a little more difficult. I would say, obviously, the more oil going forward, um, the more it's structured going forward, probably the straighter your lines are going to be. Um, so I kind of thought maybe uh, this year's pattern at the open, maybe more people could kind of go around the pattern because the oil is shorter uh, in the application and maybe more people could go left to right with the ball for right-handers. I thought that would be an option. Um, but it seems like the people are all set in their ways of breaking the lanes down parallel and then using the dry area to bounce it off of. Um, but, you know, not not necessarily. Usually shorter, uh, the more loads are spread out, the more angular your ball is through the mid lane, the more loads are stacked up or board-by-board board increments, the straighter you are. Um, there's all sorts of little things that are theoretically the way I look at a pattern, but that doesn't mean um, that's how people are going to play them. You know, again, the topography, the ball choices people make, to me, are way more important than what's on the lane. Um, just because you lay a pattern out, it doesn't mean this pattern is supposed to play like this, so therefore do this. It, it just doesn't work that way anymore. Eric, I want to thank you In other words, you need today. to have an open mind when you're out there and rely on your own instincts and experience and kind of go from there. Yeah, I mean, definitely watch your own ball motion. I mean, I can't... I'm, I'm, you know, trying to trying to teach as many people to watch the three phases of their ball motion, how the ball rolls through the pins, and how it leaves the pin deck. I don't think enough people do that. They just uh, they put their feet wherever, and they put their eyes wherever, and they roll the ball, and they look at the lane left to right. Um, you know, you still hear the terminology of, oh, there's a bunch of hang or out of bounds. Well, square your feet up. You know, there's plenty of hook if you get your feet straight enough, you know. Um you know, so yeah, watching your own ball motion and, and really getting used to watching the ball at the break point and how it rolls through the pins is, is so important. Um, but still kind of a, a new thing. I don't think a lot of people are used to watching for that. Eric, I want to thank you for joining us today on the Above180.com podcast. Very good. Uh, always great information on the USBC and on lane patterns. Eric, we're going to have to do this again. And uh, all the best of your. And thank you for getting up with us early in Reno today. <laughs> no problem, yeah. I had to run to the airport anyway, so that's not a problem. For Tim Bird, Joe Serrar, good luck and good bowling.